0: Welcome to the New Mexico News Podcast, headlines and stories from the land of enchantment. Brought to you by KRQE, here's Chris McKee and Gabrielle Burkhart.
1: When we talk about crime, drug addiction, mental health issues, this is a topic that comes up a lot in recent news stories and interviews we've done with law enforcement, for example. People need treatment and often the first place they go when they mess up or get picked up by law enforcement is jail.
0: So as of July this year, UNM Hospital is the new healthcare provider at the Metropolitan Detention Center or what we know as MDC.
1: UNM Hospital is taking over health care at the Metropolitan Detention Center after the recent deaths of inmates
0: there. So this means now that UNMH is now responsible for providing medical, dental, and behavioral health services to MDC inmates. For years, that service had been provided by a host of private entities.
1: Over the course of our career as journalists here in New Mexico in the last decade, we've reported on issues at MDC there have been concerns about overcrowding there for years.
0: Yeah, I remember covering a lot of stories about inmate populations at MDC in 2013 amid the county trying to meet the terms of a federal lawsuit over jail conditions. A
1: plan to reduce overcrowding at MDC didn't pass the Bernalillo County Commission tonight. Another proposal will be introduced at next week's meeting to fix an overcrowded jail problem.
0: Crystal, it turns out this latest MDC proposal is almost exactly the same as the one that failed in April, which would have shipped extra inmates elsewhere to meet building capacity.
1: After years of overcrowding at Bernalillo County's Metro Detention Center, the county now has just one week to meet Need a federal mandate to get the jail's population to capacity the jimmy mcclendon lawsuit filed in 1995 was on behalf of a group of inmates at the metropolitan detention center and that was based on overcrowding
0: so that mcclendon lawsuit essentially claimed that the overcrowding at the jail was in part violating inmates rights but the lawsuit also claimed violations based on other problems like inadequate health care and inadequate psychiatric services
1: for decades, MDC has been working toward compliance with this settlement agreement.
0: So part of the requirements of the jail is that MDC must provide medical and mental health services, among other things, to inmates. And as we mentioned, the health care provider shift that took place this summer, it is already implementing changes in how that is being handled.
1: With us on the line today is Rodney McNeese. He's the executive director of governmental affairs at the University of New Mexico Hospital. Rodney, thanks for joining us.
0: Good afternoon. Thank you all. Yes, thanks for being here. And really, we wanted to start with your background for those who maybe don't know exactly what you do and how long you've maybe been at UNM. How long have you worked for UNMH and what is your role exactly as this executive director of governmental affairs?
2: So I've been at UNM for nearly 30 years now in various kinds of capacities. Um, I have spent a large amount of that time in mental health and behavioral health, working on a lot of the programs and services that we've developed at the university and also doing a lot of work with community partners like Bernalillo County and the city of Albuquerque and other community providers. I do work with a lot of our statewide and federal advocacy around policy issues that impact the healthcare system and especially UNM and working with some of our contacts to help make sure that the agendas that we need to put forward are are being heard by the appropriate people. So it's kind of a a role that I do kind of several different things. Part of it is is advocacy and policy work, and part of it is more operational work around the program development and putting uh, things in place.
1: Thank you all for joining us today as we launch our new partnership between Bernalillo County and UNM Hospital in an effort to transform medical and mental health care for inmates here at the Metropolitan Detention Center.
0: That was the voice of Bernalillo County manager Julie Morgus Baca back in August.
1: So in July, it was announced that Bernalillo County, through the MDC Healthcare Authority, negotiated a four-year $20.2 $20.2 million per year contract with UNM Hospital to provide medical services at MDC. That's the Metropolitan Detention Center. Every time an inmate dies, is injured, or suffers a medical emergency, it weighs heavily on myself, on staff, on um, especially it's so heartbreaking for the families and the community the agreement increased the number of full-time medical employees as we understand at mdc from about 106 to 123 medical staffers so can you tell us first broadly what else has unmh done at mdc since this july contract
2: As far as the staffing piece, we have increased staffing on-site, uh, especially around the areas of nursing and uh, having nursing support available in the facility to make sure we have appropriate staffing 24-7. We've also brought in a rapid response team, which is a team of paramedics that are on-site 24-7 to respond to adverse events or to assist with other kinds of medical issues. And that team has been hugely impactful since they started out there. We're not quite at having that where we have uh, 24/7 coverage, but we're getting really close with that. So we're very excited about that. So those are two of the big pieces that we put in place to try to make sure that uh, we have the appropriate resources on site. We've also added additional counseling staff with the mental health services. And we're in the process of, creating some new programs out there based on kind of what we've determined uh, to be the greatest need uh, since we've been there.
0: You know, one thing that stands out to me when I heard about this new deal, it it goes in line with actually another sort of news program that's out there mixed with a lot of comedy that being last week tonight hosted by John Oliver. They recently did a piece about medical care at jails and prisons all across the United States, and, and really one of the conclusions I think he came away from it was that there is a large and long history of a lot of different companies out there, for-profit companies, that have a history uh, that's not so great in terms of how patient care happens at jails and prisons. And I guess I wanted to say, with, with that in mind, it, it is kind of a topic that's out there, and some of our listeners may be a little bit more familiar with that episode, to broadly ask you, you know, how confident is UNMH that it will be able to provide maybe better care or how confident are you about the care that UNMH will be able to provide here as this new partner?
2: Well, we're extremely confident in our ability to provide good care at the MDC. I mean, I think uh, what you're saying is absolutely correct. As far as if you look at kind of the history of medical services and correctional facilities, You tend to have uh, kind of a cadre of private vendors that kind of cycle around through those. And it really is difficult if those vendors don't have an infrastructure or kind of the resources and the people in the community to make that as successful as it needs to be. And that's, I think, one of the huge advantages that UNM brings since we are part of the community, we have a very large delivery system here. So it's not like MDC is operating in isolation. We have a lot of support we can bring in from uh, the rest of UNM to assist with making sure we're providing appropriate clinical services. And that really gives us a big advantage, I think, in how we do this. The other thing I would say that uh, it makes a really a, a big impact on the whole model with this because historically there there really have been these vendor relationships, and uh, this is really a new paradigm where UNM and Bernalillo County created the Metropolitan Detention Center Health Authority. And so it really is kind of a joint venture between the university and Bernalillo County. So it's not necessarily a vendor relationship, it's more like a partner relationship. And I think that really has changed the dynamic and it allows us all to be working together to make sure that we are providing the best care for patients out at MDC because we do view them as our patients. If they're, they're just like any other patient in our system, they just happen to be at the MDC.
0: And one of the things we should note, I think, is that before this new agreement, MDC had cycled through a number of different healthcare providers ahead of this. We understand one of the biggest issues when people initially go into MDC is substance abuse and drug addiction. And there have been people dying in some cases during that detox period in jail. How are medical providers now handling the detox of inmates and and what changes in that regard have been made maybe in the last few months? So
2: that's a really good question because you're right. A lot of what I think drove uh, some of the decision making around this have been specific to patients with substance abuse issues and with the detox and the deaths that occurred in the jail over time. What we're working on now is we're actually creating an addiction clinic, and we have increased support for the detox program out there. The numbers at MDC are really very substantial. It's hard for, I think, people to understand the volume and the velocity of how people come in and out of the jail. But, you know, on any given day, there's fifteen or 1,600 people out there Out of that, about 70 people come into the jail a day, and then on detox right now, we're seeing about 120 to 140 people in detox on any day. So that is a whole lot of people that are in detox. So we're trying to create more resources around detox. We're also trying to create continuity of care for medications for people coming into the jail. So if people do come into the jail, for example, that are on Suboxone or Methadone, and they have been dosing in the community. We're working now with the county and we're also working with Recovery Services who is the vendor at the jail specific to their opioid treatment program on how we better identify that at the point of intake and make sure people stay actively connected to met their medication because if we can do that that actually would decrease the number of people going into detox on the back end we've also started having a conversation with uh, several community partners around how do we create warm pathways for people leaving the jail to actually create a better system of care. Because what has happened, I think, historically, is when people leave the jail, they often they become disconnected from whatever care they were uh, receiving outside of the jail. And then it often becomes very difficult for them to get reestablished and reconnected. So we're we're having kind of a community conversation with a, a bunch of different stakeholders about How do we try to look at that end of the equation as well? And if we can do that well, hopefully it would help uh, some of these folks to keep from basically running into the issue where they can't get connected to the services they need and then they end up right back in the jail.
1: Bottom line, though, do you feel like there are now enough nurses monitoring people in detox?
2: We have uh, more nursing and we have also the paramedic teams. We also have providers doing that. So, yes, we're confident that our monitoring is a lot better than it was when we started. I think that will continue to be a work in progress as we go forward to add resources. And when we get this new kind of addiction clinic online, we have an addiction psychiatrist who's working with us and some other resources We think that that will really make a big impact on that population.
1: And we understand staffing at MDC has also been a huge issue. You know, reports of not enough detention officers, not enough medical providers. Staffing has been in the headlines lately for a lot of industries. But what is your understanding now of the overall staffing situation at MDC? And how are you tackling the medical side of staffing this facility?
2: Well, staffing, as you indicated, in a lot of industries is very challenging and in healthcare, care is extraordinarily challenging. But UNM and every hospital in the country for that matter has uh, difficulty staffing positions. So the reality of that is you have to rely on traveling nurses or traveling staff or other kinds of agency staff to help fill some of those gaps. And we do that, as do other hospitals, and we're doing that at MDC. And a lot of those staff are really very good. They're highly trained people. We, of course, are always wanting to have permanent full-time staff in those positions. And out of the 125 or so, if you include the number of traveling staff or agency staff, we're getting pretty close to being fully staffed out there as far as to the number. I don't know the exact number today, but it's we're significantly better off with staffing than we were when we started back in July. We are continually recruiting. We do offer sign-on bonuses. We offer incremental hazard pay for people out there. So we're really doing a lot of things to try to make sure we can recruit and retain people there. And I know the the county's really doing that on the correctional officer side as well. I think they've made some progress on their staffing out there on the security side because they have a lot of the same issues that we have on the healthcare side. We're trying to, to get folks to be out there.
1: Quick follow up on that. What would be a full staff situation? How many are you allotted for MDC?
2: Well, the contract is about 125 people in total. Uh, And that's the combination of both hospital staff and medical providers. And so, is that exactly the right number? I don't think we exactly know right now, because we're still learning a lot about what the work at MDC and the things we need to work on. Over time, that number could be more or less. And I think that's one of the the commitments with the health authority and UNM in the county is to continue to evaluate that as we go forward to make sure that we do have appropriate resources at the MDC to provide good patient care.
0: You know, Albuquerque's police chief, Harold Medina, he was on our podcast a few weeks ago and he mentioned that the jail, he called it sort of one of the, the first major treatment centers here, if you will, for people who are often at their rock bottom when they're arrested.
2: My recommendation was very simple. The jail is the biggest mental health facility we have in the state. The jail is the biggest substance abuse facility we have at the state. Let's invest in the resources I spoke about for mental health and substance abuse. Let's invest those resources and bring them to the first place that is already up. We don't need to build a facility Let's fund the resources at MDC that we need in order for people to start getting treatment there.
0: He said there's a short window to get somebody connected to treatment when they're ready and that the jail is often the first ability to get people connected to those resources. Do you feel like that's happening more now that UNMH took over at MDC?
2: Well, I would say we're certainly trying. I mean, we've been there 10 weeks or 10 or 11 weeks so far, so it's still pretty early on in this process. And I know we have identified a lot of things that we think we can do better and that we think would provide better connection into services for the patients there. So I would say that, yes, this is an ongoing work in progress. It will be a work in progress, but we're very committed to try to make sure that people make that connection and they do get the care they need because what the chief said is exactly right. You do have kind of a window of time and if you can uh, make those connections and have people appropriately placed in services, you really can have a high impact on the future outcomes for that person and we certainly want to do that.
1: Another thing I was made aware of, you know, in part of meeting the settlement agreement at MDC is having a singular medical record for people, like you kind of alluded to the continuity of care and people just being able to track someone's medical history when they go into jail. Can you tell us more about that? And and has that been streamlined more now with UNMH?
2: Well, historically, each of the vendors out at MDC have kind of have had their own medical record system, which is not uncommon. They're going to run into that pretty much anywhere and any healthcare provider. And UNM is no different. We have a system called Cerner, and that's the system that we use at the university and all the clinical delivery system. And we have put Cerner in the MDC, which we think will actually significantly help us on having better transparency and communication on patient records, because the reality is when a lot of these folks are not at MDC, there are patients in our system and other places. So it's not like the only place we see them is at the MDC. So having that consistency of medical records, we think really brings a lot of value uh, since we're gonna be the healthcare that that probably uh, a a majority of folks at the MDC are gonna see in the community.
1: And an example of that would be like somebody gets arrested, maybe they're a fentanyl addict and they're treated, they have medications while they're in jail. And if they get rearrested or if they come in contact with a hospital, you would be able to see they were on these medications and you'd actually be able to have a record of what they were dealing with in jail. Correct?
2: Right. We would have their medication history, their treatment history, whatever, uh, their diagnosis uh, history, all of that information would be visible on either at the university or at the jail. So regardless of where that information's collected, uh, we would be able to know that information.
0: Yeah, it really leverages the power of just how vast a system UNM has here in the state, puts it in there in another place where some of the most vulnerable are ending up, it sounds like, in in the jail.
2: We know access to health care is a challenge everywhere, but it's especially challenging for this patient population. And we know that by having UNMH help here, we improve continuity of care between here and our emergency rooms.
0: That's UNM Hospital CEO Kate Becker at that August news conference celebrating the new partnership.
2: And we're working with our community to improve care when folks are released so that we don't have as many people bouncing back.
0: We know you're not law enforcement, but of course, all of these resources, in a sense, they tie together in the community. And we know that the APD chief, as we talked about before, he's eyed MDC as a big part of the solution. He's also pushing for more criminals to spend more time in jail. Is overcrowding still an issue at MDC, in your opinion? I know you're coming at it from a a different perspective, you know, being with UNMH. But if you don't mind, if I ask you, is overcrowding still an issue at MDC? in your opinion and and from what you've heard from your medical staff over there?
2: Well, I mean, the MDC operates under a population cap that I think is part of uh, some of the legal agreements that have been enacted out there over time. So there is kind of a finite limit. And I know that the county has made arrangements at times to transfer inmates to other facilities to make sure that they're trying to stay under those caps. As far as the capacity issue, that's really more a question for the security team and the the folks out there.
0: After recording this episode, we did check in with MDC about the population there at its facility, which we know does play a big role in medical care and patient health. The facility has a population cap of 1,950 inmates. According to their online stats, in October, the facility was averaging around 1,500 inmates on site. Jail population has been in the headlines again over the last two months due to a large number of new arrests being made through September and October and a continued increase in the number of people being held in that facility while awaiting trial in Bernalillo County. The Corrections Department actually even moved 28 inmates to state prisons from MDC. Those are inmates that MDC considered to be staff-intensive that move was aimed at clearing a log jam at the facility where police officers and deputies reported having to wait for a long time, sometimes as long as six hours, just to get through the booking process for a new inmate. And we'll post a link to MDC's inmate population data in the show notes.
1: We mentioned behavioral health being an issue in that we've seen in the community and we know it's prevalent, right? People with maybe substance abuse issues or just being in a mental crisis and they may end up in jail. What does behavioral health treatment look like at MDC right now? so
2: actually behavioral health is a large part of the treatment we do at mdc and that's because there's a very high percentage of people at mdc that have either mental health or addiction issues or both and so we have a team of counselors Uh, we currently have about 17 of those folks so there's counseling on site 24 7. There's also a lot of psychiatric support because a lot of the patients out there are on psychiatric medications or they need to be connected to those. And there's actually requirements on the ratios with those because of some of the court agreements as well. So we have around six psychiatrists that are on staff. We also have psychologists. We have psychiatric nurses. So we have like a whole team of people that deal with just the behavioral health component of care
0: at the MDC. I get a sense from particularly when this deal was signed that it feels somewhat transformative um, because, yeah, this is not a private company that's taking over the medical services here. This is the, you know, the homegrown UNMH, right? The, The massive entity that it is now playing a big role in the jail. For those who maybe have overlooked the background of you know, the administrative changes that happen, maybe what could you say about how potentially transformative this is? Because you know, speaking to the point that I think the chief has tried to make, it's a large facility that gets people at their lowest point. There's a really small window to maybe make a change. We know that the problems in Albuquerque related to crime, drugs, and homelessness are multifaceted. And there are a lot of times needs to be other things that happen. And in medical care can certainly be a factor of it. Not always the silver bullet, but it can certainly help people get on a, a better path. And so with that in mind, I guess I wanted to ask you, how transformative do you think that this can be as a sort of piece of the solution towards the problems that Albuquerque faces?
2: I actually think it's a huge piece of, of creating that transformation, because I think it just really totally shifts the paradigm of how care is going to be delivered at MDC. And, uh, because of the partnership, it's not, you know, we meet with the county, but we also meet with the law enforcement folks too. We have ongoing discussions with, uh, APD and BCSO and first responders and all of those groups. So I think it provides an opportunity to actually create a more system level approach to care for a lot of these populations that are receiving care at MDC or in other uh, venues that we all work with. So I think it's really hard for me to overstate what I think is the impact of this. Uh, I really do think over time it will be transformative and I hope we get to a much better place where we have much better care and we're using our resources in a much more coordinated way uh, to do that.
1: Part of the argument, yeah, we hear when somebody has a substance abuse issue and they're arrested maybe for, you know, a misdemeanor crime or a nonviolent crime as deemed by the courts. Part of the argument that we hear in their defense is that, well, they don't need jail time. They need treatment for the underlying issues. But in this case, can you confidently say, well, if they go to jail, they will get treatment?
2: Well, they will while they're at the jail. I mean, but what you're saying is a whole other significant community issue, and that is access to treatment resources more generally for people in the community. And, you know, there are needed resources in all kinds of levels of care for behavioral health. And that is a, I mean, that's been a longstanding issue, and it is something that I think over time, hopefully, uh, we'll be able to build some of those gaps. I mean, a a good example of that currently is the partnership between uh, UNM Hospital and Bernalillo County on uh, the Crisis Triage Center, and that will open up a whole new facility, a whole new level of care. It'll have expanded capacity, and actually, the intent would be that people who normally would potentially have ended up either being discharged when they're not ready or in an acute psychiatric hospital would have an alternative where it hopefully helps them uh, get that stabilization long enough to connect into other kinds of care. But this is gonna be a community and a state level issue, I think for a while, because there's just not enough treatment capacity in the state uh, we have enormous needs and I know a lot of folks are doing a lot of work on that, but it, it's, that's going to be an ongoing uh, issue to work on.
1: Well, thank you, Rodney McNeese. Appreciate it. Thank you all. Thanks again to Rodney McNeese for talking with us today. He's with University of New Mexico Hospital and it sounds like there is still some staffing issues. I did ask him a quick follow-up. He said there's about roughly 25% of the staff at MDC, that is the medical staff, are traveling medical providers.
0: And we also mentioned earlier in this episode how this program last week tonight, they broadly covered this issue surrounding medical care and jails and detention facilities all over the US. Segment was pretty critical of some of the medical coverage offered. It is worth taking a look at. We will post a link to it in our show notes here. And to note, at least two of the companies mentioned in that segment have actually previously provided medical services at MDC.
1: We'll be sure and keep an eye on, on the changes that they are implementing at MDC as well, though, because as Roddy mentioned, UNMH has only been taking over this role since July. So a lot of changes being implemented and going forward, we will keep an eye on it. But if you have ideas, feel free to reach out if you'd like to hear from someone on our podcast email us, message us on social media. I'm Gabrielle.Burchard at krqe.com and gburknm on social media.
0: I'm Christelle McKee at krqe.com and also at Chris McKee TV. Thanks for listening.